Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. To me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line. And I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and it's a busy week yet again in Giants land. Welcome to the show. We will have my reaction to Joe Shane's introduction as the new general manager of Big Blue that took place on Wednesday at the Giants facility in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I was there, extensive interviews, conversations with not only Joe Shane, but John Mara, and we'll have some sound from Shane during his presser in a little bit. Also, I will give you up-to-the-minute updates on the head coaching search and where that stands. I think we're getting close, Giants fans, to figuring out Who will be the successor to Joe Judge here with the Giants? It's one of those things where I think there was so much talk about the GM and how important and integral the GM will play and how much Joe Shane coming to the organization represents a new chapter. But the head coaching hire is the one that's going to have the big have the biggest impact just Perception-wise, you know, a lot of people don't embrace the GM. You know, you embrace the head coach because you're going to see the head coach out in front of the cameras all the time. Uh, I think Joe Shane will have more of a visible presence with the Giants than Dave Gettleman did in four years. Uh, But in terms of what fans want to know, it's going to be the head coach. So obviously there's alignment between the head coach and and the general manager, and you can make the argument that whatever changes and influence that Joe Shane has will have an even bigger impact on and off the field than what the head coach will have. But the reality is people want to know who the next head coach of the New York Giants is going to be, and I'm going to give you my thoughts. Obviously, when you tape a podcast, there's always a time element, so we will have an emergency podcast if and when the Giants make their hire, their head coaching hire, my guess right now it would be no later than Saturday morning. Uh, I believe that their candidate is in the mix, and I don't know if a candidate falls off the board if they would expand their horizons and bring in other candidates into the mix. But we'll get to that in a little bit in the show. First things first, 
as always, wanted to thank our friends at Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook, a global betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply, 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. So let's get to the Shane press conference yesterday. And to me, I wrote several stories. Heading to the facility yesterday, uh, I called Bill Parcells from the car. And that is not me dropping names, just part of the job. And I haven't had many interactions with Bill Parcells through the years. Uh, Obviously, being from Bergen County, myself and Bill, uh, he's familiar with the record familiar with NorthJersey.com to an extent. Uh, But when I reached him, he kind of hurried, picked up the cell phone, you could tell that he was in the middle of something. So I tried to make it as quickly as possible. And in these circumstances, if you don't really have a relationship with somebody like Bill Parcells beyond, uh, you know, previous engagements, I I think – it was one of those things where I just wanted to get his scouting report on Joe Shane. And when you say to somebody, is this a bad time? And they respond, well, yeah, kinda. That's, uh, that's usually a moment that the, the conversation is not going to be long, but Parcells did give me something on Joe Shane, uh, kind of echoing some of the sentiment that he has expressed through the years about, how he likes Joe calls him a very serious football guy, which I think from Parcells's perspective, it almost means he's intense. He, he very attentive to details. Uh, and he, he did say that, you know, it's obvious and I'm paraphrasing. It's obvious that the giants need work, need a lot of work, but Joe is the guy that will put in the work. And I thought that was interesting. And, and, you know, it's funny what sticks with a guy like Parcells uh, and what it means for Joe Shane to have one of his mentors. You know, people forget Parcells gave Shane his his first real big break. You know, he was in Carolina. He had started off as a college intern in the ticket office. And Brandon Bean, you know, gave him his first break which was getting into football operations. But ultimately, when Parcells hired Joe Shane with the Miami Dolphins, made him a national scout, that kind of accelerated his football journey on the personnel side. And when you look back, you know, all these years later, you know, almost 15 years later, that's kind of the point where Shane's career took off, first in Miami, and then obviously landing in Buffalo, reuniting with Brandon Bean as his assistant to the general manager. So I thought it'd be interesting if you wanted to hear what Shane had to say about Bill Parcells. Yeah, he told me it's the best job in the league. That was one of the advices, you know, some of the advice he gave me when I talked to him. So 
I could go on and on about coach. I know why he was such a good coach because, you know, he understood personnel and he understood the X's nose and he was a great teacher. You know, I, I got him probably on the back nine of his career. You know, uh, he, he was, he was a constant teacher, always talking to me. And I've said this several times, you know, he would say, you know what Tom Landry used to tell me, Joe, and you know, just a young scout, you're on the edge of your seat. And like Tom Landry told Bill Parcells and he's getting ready to tell me. So all the stories he has, um, you know, he, he understood personnel, you know, philosophically, maybe he's a little bit different. He hasn't evolved to where, you know, maybe the game is today, but you know, I learned a lot from him just how to, how to build a roster, you know, what to look for in different positions, uh, what to look for in head coaches. You know, you, you better know what you want on your roster because coaches are going to come and go just the volatility of the industry. So, you know, I love coach to death. He's been awesome to me. He, he still calls me every now and then I can pick up my phone and call him and he'll answer. And, you know, he's not afraid to call on a Monday after a game and give his two cents on the roster and what we need um, when I was in Buffalo. So ton of respect for coach and, and love him to death. So Joe Shane has not kept it a secret about the impact that Parcells had on him. And, you know, you throw around names like Landry and Parcells in the NFL and what's going on in terms of the legacy of coaches, both Within the Giants and elsewhere, Landry and Parcells, it gets no better than that. So I thought it was interesting that the way the press conference was set up yesterday, because the Giants have had to kind of reconstruct their field house since COVID and all the restrictions, they have their weight room in there, they have a lot of different meeting rooms. The Eli Manning press conference was held in the same field house, but it was flipped. It was on the other side of the field house. So you had the most recent Super Bowl banners from 07 and 11 as his backdrop. Well, for Joe Shane yesterday, the backdrop were the banners from 86 and 90. And I thought that was kind of interesting, almost a nod to Parcells. Uh, and Shane's relationship, not intentional by the Giants, basically just done out of necessity. Uh, but that's something that I noticed and I thought it was very interesting. My take on Shane overall, which I thought really struck a chord with me, is that he understands the responsibility of this job. He feels the weight on his shoulders. And you could actually hear that in the beginning of the press conference. He sounded a little nervous, voice cracked a little bit, was getting emotional when he started talking about the influence of family and friends and mentors along the way. And I thought it really struck the opposite tone than what Dave Gettleman did when he accepted the general manager's job and had his introductory press conference four years ago. Gettleman came here with all the answers. That was his press conference. It was fire and brimstone, and I'm going to talk about the Giants' legacy, and we're getting back there, and hog mollies, and cliches, and everything he was going to do, he was the right man for the job. He had the resume. He talked about his resume. And there was an air of arrogance. It was confident, but it was arrogance. And I think that carried through his entire tenure here. And it never really changed. Gettleman thought he had all the answers. Now, what struck me last Friday when we talked to Brandon Bean about Joe Shane is that Bean said Shane will never be someone who walks in the room and act like he has all the answers. And I thought that was interesting yesterday is that he took so much time talking about the influences on his career, 
and what it meant to have all these people as a part of his journey. And it wasn't just his parents. He mentioned his in-laws, a lot of coaching mentors that he had. But he also talked about the enormity of the job. And I think that's kind of what was missing from Dave Gettleman. And I don't think Dave Gettleman was entitled or felt an entitlement probably until this past year where he knew where he was going and what the end was going to be. But I don't sense an entitlement from Joe Shane. And that's refreshing from the general manager's office for the New York Giants. Because I do think that Shane needs to come in here and kind of embrace the job that's at hand. This is a massive job. There are a lot of things that need to be cleaned up. There's a lot of expectation. And there is failure. And there are going to be failures. And I think Shane has the right personality and the right approach right now to kind of fix that or to at least deal with that. He didn't come in here and talk about his resume. He didn't talk about players he drafted or he had a hand in Josh Allen. I can guarantee you if Dave Gettleman drafted Josh Allen before he got to the New York Giants, we would have heard how Dave Gettleman hand-selected Josh Allen and made Josh Allen the quarterback that he was. And I know I'm kind of being a little tongue-in-cheek, but that is the personality difference between the two men. There's an age gap. There's obviously... You know, when you're talking about 70-year-old versus a 42-year-old in Shane. But I do think the approach that Shane took is that, look, he said there is a lot of responsibility for this job. One thing I did ask him, and I think you'll like to hear what he said, so I want to play his answer. When it comes to his journey about the job, how did he know that this was the right time? Why was he ready? for this next chapter. And here's what Shane had to say. Yeah, that's a good question. And to me, it was the right fit, you know, against the New York Giants. Like this is, this is the New York Giants. You know, I'm standing up here as the general manager. So that was, that was always really cool to me. The fact that I even interviewed, you know, it's a historic franchise. So to know you're ever ready, I, you know, I don't know if you're ever ready for this job. There's no, there's no manual that you can go to, you know, a couple of years ago, COVID came and you're the general manager and, you know, we get emails on Friday night. Now you got to cut your staff down to 70 in the building Again, there's no manual. You got to be able to problem solve. It's not just sitting in an office scouting. So, the best thing that happened for me was working for Brandon Bean because he didn't come up the traditional scouting path. Now he can scout and he can evaluate, but he was also a director of football operations. So he dealt with salary cap. He dealt with the training room. He dealt with sports performance. He dealt with the entire football organization, and he put me in his hip pocket and taught me that side of the business that I didn't necessarily know. So. Again, I could be, you know, I could be picky. Um, there's only 32 of these things. So, but I did have a, you know, Buffalo has a good roster. They have a young quarterback. I knew if I didn't get a, a job, I was in a good situation. But this was a job I wanted. As soon as I, after that first interview in the Zoom, you know, I called my wife and said, that's a job I want. I want to go get that job. It's right for us. So there you have it. The wife always knows. And when Joe Shane reached out to his wife, Marie, and told her, that's a job I want after his first dealing with Shane, Mara, and Tish, it kind of makes you feel like, you know what? This guy gets it. He understands the enormity of the job. And I think that will not be lost 
on every move he makes. A couple other things that he said yesterday, obviously the Daniel Jones stuff, John Mara admitting that they screwed Daniel Jones up more than Daniel Jones screwed it up himself. That's with the coaching changes, the offensive inconsistencies, the talent deficiencies, especially on the offensive line. Here's what I think of Daniel Jones and his future here. Obviously, Mara and Shane were not going to come out yesterday and bury Daniel Jones. I mean, the guy is standing in the back of the room, for God's sakes, wearing his mask with some teammates, watching the general manager give his press conference. So they knew he was in the room. It would have been even more awkward had Shane said, yeah, I think we're going to move on. But the situation to me is pretty cut and dried, and that's thanks to the contract. I don't believe the Giants will pick up Daniel Jones's fifth-year option for 2023. I think for what he's doing this year, I think you'll give him 2022. You'll bring in somebody to compete with him, maybe a Mitch Trubisky, maybe a Marcus Mariota, maybe someone in the draft that they like someone in the draft beyond those first two premium picks in the top 10. And then if Daniel Jones shows this season that he is not the right guy, well, then the general manager and the head coach in 2023 will likely go into the draft looking for their guy, maybe go into free agency looking for their guy. I doubt the free agency part. If you listen to what Shane had to say, his idea of building a team is build through the draft, re-sign your own guys, and then supplement with free agency. And that's really a different take for the Giants. It's where they failed under Jerry Reese and really where they failed under Dave Gettleman. They don't have players that they've re-signed for second contracts. And that is a big problem when you're trying to build a foundation. So when you consider that, I think Shane's interest, the interest in wanting to build a team, uh, I think is what is most intriguing. So that's where we're at as far as that goes. I think it's time to move on to the head coaching search. Here's where we're at. The Giants want to have a head coach by Saturday morning. I don't think there's any question about that. I asked Joe Shane about that. He's going to the Senior Bowl next week. He made it seem like the head coach might not be going to the Senior Bowl, even if someone is hired by the weekend. The priority for the head coach is to put together his coaching staff. So it's understandable if that's the case. As I'm taping this podcast, Brian Flores will be in with the Giants interviewing today. I asked John Mara why he reached out to Brian Flores before the Giants had a general manager. What he said to me and others yesterday was the fact that on their short list of general managers, the finalists, Shane, Ryan Poles, Adam Peters, they all had Brian Flores on their list. Where he stacked up, that was unknown. Mara didn't reveal that. He didn't say, look, Ryan Poles had him fourth or this, but they knew that Brian Flores was somebody that regardless of who they hired out of their final three choices at general manager, Flores was going to be somebody that they would like to interview. So instead of allowing it to just take its course, knowing that Flores had already interviewed in Houston, interviewed in Chicago, Mara reached out to Flores, who he has a connection with from their alma mater in Boston College, and 
just basically said, look, regardless of what happens, just know that we have an interest in interviewing you for the job, regardless of who our general manager is. And Mara said that that, that was a, the extent of where it went. Could they have swapped some stories at that point? Sure, possibility. But Joe Shane gets hired. Now Flores will come in for his interview. And Flores is a contender for the job. What I think is Brian Dayball will end up being the head coach. I do think from the very beginning, it's been down to the Dolphins and the Giants for Dayball. I think you have to consider going up against Buffalo twice a year. Is that something that Dayball wants to do? Does he does he really want to go up against Sean McDermott and Josh Allen and the rest of that offense that he helped build as the head coach in Miami? What I have been told by sources is that Stephen Ross, the owner in Miami, has been pushing very hard for Brian Dayball. I know the Giants were very impressed with Dayball. Shane obviously has a great relationship with him. So my money would say it's down to the Dolphins and the Giants. I can't tell you that someone is a favorite, one or the other, but I do know that both of them, both teams, are very interested in Dable. I know the Giants are interested in Flores and hearing what he has to say. Uh, I do think that Flores will not get a job a head coaching job if he doesn't get the Giants job. That's just kind of the sense I get. This talk this week that Dan Quinn was going to be in the mix, that was put to bed right before I came on to tape this podcast. Dan Quinn is staying in Dallas. He did not get the job in Chicago. That went to Matt Eberflus, the D.C. for Andy, and... Nathaniel Hackett got the job in Denver. That was another job that Quinn was up for. I think Quinn's reps kind of got caught playing a little bit, trying to leverage the job in Chicago. He did not get the job in Chicago. I don't believe that he was at the top of the list for the Giants. I think he was a contender. I think he impressed this week. But I think he probably saw the writing on the wall. Ends up going back to Dallas. We'll take another shot with that defense, with all the pieces they have together, and then come into the cycle in 2023 and see what head coaching job he can take. So that's where we're at with the coaching search. I think it's going to come down to exactly how we've been saying. It's either Brian Dayball or Brian Flores. I think it'll end up being Dayball. I think he wants New York from everything I can gather. I've been told that there is some intrigue in going to Miami, but I get the sense that Miami is pushing harder for Dayball than Dayball is for pushing for the Dolphins. We'll see if that turns out to be the case. You know, I'll close the show with this. Coaching searches and GM searches, it's always a case of musical chairs. And I know for a fact there are Agents who are very good in this business, Bob Lamont being at the top of the list, and he's a Brian Dable. He's Brian Dable's representative. Through the years, I've had conversations with Lamont, and he's very influential in trying. That's what's different between the coaches and the players and where they end up in free agency is that agents try to create scenarios that maximize their coaches and their opportunities. So 
a lot of this stuff that gets put out there is done for for a reason. Why is Dan Quinn all of a sudden in the mix with the Giants? Well, my opinion is that they're trying to get him to go to Chicago. Chicago, if you want him, you better take him kind of thing. So I think the agents are very good. I think there are a lot of people who are out there who are in the know and know information. But the problem is, is that if you don't have the full picture of that information, it kind of creates scenarios which are hard to read. And from everything that I've been told, this is where the Giants have been. It's Dayball or Flores, if Flores can come in and knock it out of the park. I'd find it hard to believe that the Giants would take Flores over Dayball. I think if Dayball ends up in Miami, I think Flores has a good shot here. It's also possible with Leslie Frazier coming in on Friday. I can't say for sure that he would not be in consideration, but I also have an idea that, or at least I get the idea that if the Giants don't have a coach in place on Saturday morning, that this search may get opened up again a little bit and bring in a couple more offensive-minded coaches into the mix. Maybe that's when Doug Peterson gets an interview. Uh, Maybe there's a situation that they wait for a Mike McDaniel uh, with the 49ers. If they're out of the playoffs on Sunday, if they lose to the Rams in the NFC Championship game, you know, that's the other thing, too, is that people have talked about what they do. Why did they do Zoom interviews with Dayball, Frazier, and Lou Anarumo? Well, the reason they did it is because of the rules. If the Buffalo Bills made the Super Bowl and the Giants did not reach out and have those Zoom interviews to kind of open up that search, they would not be able to talk to those guys until after the Super Bowl. So any of the candidates that are still alive, Eric Bieniemy with Kansas City, you look at anyone in San Francisco, or Raheem Morris with the Rams, if you want to, want to talk to those guys, the fact that the Giants have not spoken to them yet, they would have to wait until after the Super Bowl if those teams are still alive in the Super Bowl. That's just something to keep in mind. So I think we're going to end up getting a head coach by the weekend here with the Giants. When they do, make sure you check your favorite podcast platform. We'll do an emergency special edition of All In at that time. Talk about the head coach. And then obviously we'll have a lot over the next couple weeks in terms of putting the the staff, what it means. We'll try to get some people on the show. Uh, Peter Schrager is committed to coming on again uh, just to talk about who the head coach is, what might be certain coordinator fits, and the like from that front. So make sure you check out all our coverage on NorthJersey.com and in the print editions of the record and across the USA Today network. Thanks for joining this week. Hope you enjoyed the Joe Shane press conference, and we'll be back on it very soon. Next time we talk, the Giants will have a new head coach.